over our thoughts because our tendency is to allow our own self-talk to be our director and our coach. And you, Holy Spirit, desires to be the one who influences us and who guides us. So thank you because already this morning, you are aligning our self-talk, the conversations that go in our heads with your will, with your heart, so that we can experience freedom. So we bless you in this name. You are powerful. And so we thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Lois. I came up earlier, so it was nice to join you here. <laughs> Good. So Pastor Greg already indicated that we are going to continue in this theme of the good farmer. So today I would like to introduce uh, the topic of self-talk of a good farmer. The reality is that all of us, all of us have these conversations in our heads all the time. I dare to say, even sometimes when we sleep, we're still having these conversations in our heads. The thing about self-talk is that self-talk exercises great influence. Would you agree with that? There's a way in which the conversations in our head oftentimes will lead us to make decisions that are in keeping with that talk that is going on in our head. And so self-talk is hardly ever neutral. I want you to really think about that. Self-talk can be life-giving or life-stealing. I came up with that phrase. Maybe there is a better one. Self-talk can be life-giving or life-stealing. There is choices that we make based on the conversations that we have in our heads, and often that leads us to make choices that are life-giving to us and to other people around us, or those actions that we make are based on a self-talk that leads us to miss life. So self-talk puts the emphasis on our own assessments. Did you know that? Oftentimes, self-talk, the conversations that go on in our heads are focused on one person, me. Self-talk, therefore, can keep us from experiencing the presence of God. So today I want to tell you a story. I know we've been talking about Joseph these days. I would like to tell you about Jerubbaal, a.k.a. Gideon. All right, that's his real name. That's how we know him. Gideon, I don't know if the dear term or his friends call him Giddy. I don't know. You call him whatever you want to. Gideon was chosen by God to be the sixth judge in the history of Israel. And then he is located in a city in a town called Ophrah. And somewhere around the mid-12th century. 
Here is Gideon. Gideon has an encounter with the living God. Now, God did not show up in person, but God sends the angel. In fact, it's a little bit puzzling because when you read Judges 6, 7, and 8, those chapters, there is a movement between the angel of the Lord to the Lord himself. It's fascinating to read that story. I encourage you to, to read it yourself. But the angel of the Lord shows up, and he has a message for Gideon. And Gideon begins to interact with the angel of the Lord. So basically, the message in a nutshell from the angel of the Lord is this. Gideon, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? Who were the Midians? The Midians were a group of people. Actually, they were the oppressors. For seven years, seven years, they were in the habit of showing up at Ophrah and plundering the harvest the livestock and everything that the people of Israel were using as their sustainment. For seven years they're being oppressed and the angel of the Lord shows up while Gideon is beating the wheat because they want to save whatever they can from the hands of their enemies. And the angel says, Gideon, you've been chosen to save Israel from these oppressors. So here is where the self-talk begins. The self-talk has three parts. Here's the first one. I make assessments of God. We all have these kind of self-talks in our heads. Who is God? And the self, this self-talk in, uh, in Gideon's case sounds like this. Gideon said to the angel, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Miriam. Can you hear the self-talk in Gideon's head? His self-talk sounds something like this. God, where have you been? What I see, what is happening in front of me, does not give me the sense that you are here. So his self-talk sounds like, God, where have you been? Where have you been? And I wonder how many of you this morning may be having that kind of self-talk. The situations of your life, the circumstances of your life, the suffering of your life, the struggles of your life, the disappointments of your life might be leading you to say, where have you been? Here is the second, the second kind of self-talk that Gideon has. He assess, assesses himself. He makes an assessment of himself. And this is what his self-talk sounds like. Listen what he says. And he said to me, to, to the angel, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? 
Behold, my clan is the weakest of Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. Have you ever had that kind of self-talk? I'm inadequate. I am weak. I don't have experience. I don't have that talent. I don't have that maturity. I don't have those gifts. Gideon responds to the angel with his own self-talk by saying, my family belongs to the least of the tribes, to the least of the clan. And I, myself, am the youngest of all. It's interesting that God has this, I don't want to say preference, but he has a special heart, a place in his heart for young, the youngest one. David, King David was the youngest one. Joseph, the dreamer, was the youngest one. Gideon was the youngest one. God has a way of stepping into our life, overriding our personal limitations, and inviting us to do something he wants us to join him in. But the self-talk of Gideon sounded like, I'm inadequate. Number three, then Gideon makes a self, an assessment of other people. Not only he makes an assessment of God, of himself, but he makes an assessment of, him, of other people. And this is what that self-talk sounds like. That night the Lord said to Gideon, Take your father's bull and the second bull seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has. I mean, this is not a small assignment. This is like God showing up in your life and saying, Go and destroy the idols of your fathers. And not only of your fathers, but of your entire community and Ophrah. So he continues, cut down the Asherah that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of the stronghold here with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town, he did it by day instead of by night. Do you see what's happening? Gideon is having a moment of self-talk. And in that self-talk, he's making an assessment of his family and the other people, the rest of the people in the family. And his assessment leads him to fear. Perhaps he's afraid of their approval or disapproval. Perhaps he's afraid of what they might do to him or to his family. Perhaps he fears rejection. Perhaps he fears their opinion. The bottom line is his assessment of other people translates into fear. Three kind of self-talks that leads us to make an assessment of God, of ourselves, and of other people. And the fact is that God calls us to something different. Some of you may know this all-time, all-time, well-known verse given to us by King Solomon. Trust in the Lord with all your heart 
and do not lean on your own understanding. See, when we have our self-talks, those conversations in our head, typically what we're doing is we're leaning on our own understanding. That's what we're doing. We're leaning on our understanding of God, our understanding of ourselves, and our understanding of other people. And so those assessments, those self-talks become obstacles. So self-talk number one, we're just going to review them. My assessment of God. Where have you been, God? I don't see your help. I don't sense your presence. I don't know your will. I am lost. Where have you been? Self-talk number two, my assessment of me. God, I am inadequate. Don't ask me to do that. I am the least. I don't have what it takes. Self-talk number three, my assessment of other people. God, I am afraid because I don't know how people are going to respond if I follow you. So I'm going to give you a moment to do a short activity, and you can do this quietly. Um, before we continue in, in, in a time of worship, I want to ask you, how are your own assessments of God yourself or others preventing you from experiencing the presence of God in your life. I don't know how God is showing up these days in your life, but I do know that God longs to show himself to everyone. And so I want to give you a moment to reflect on that question. And the second question, what does your self-talk sound like these days? So take a moment, I'll give you a few minutes, and then I'll come back up to give you a next step.
I'm going to have our ushers come. They're going to take our tithes and offerings. Uh, you guys can stay standing because I'm going to read a verse from the book of Nehemiah. And I'm going to encourage you to use your voices right now. Just beyond singing, it says this. Stand up and praise the Lord your God, who is from everlasting to everlasting. Yes. Blessed be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all blessings yes. and praise. If you're fighting something today, like Lois said at the beginning, we do battle sometimes. Do battle by standing up and praising the Lord. Stand where you are and shout his praises. What do you have to praise God for? What's he like? Let's say it. Go ahead. Come on. Shout it out, church. His goodness. His faithfulness. Cry out to the Lord. His pursuit. Yes. Keep going. There's more. say, ascribe to the Lord praise. So Lord, you hear your praises. When we praise you, there's this beautiful thing where it says in the Psalms that you inhabit the praises of your people. So we give you these praises today, Father. Would you enthrone yourself on them? Would you let those praises just create uh, an open door right to our souls, right to our hearts, right to the place where we need you most. So we give to you today, God, blessing and honor and glory. Amen. So while we take this offering, we're going to sing that chorus again. So sing it, man. I exalt thee. It sounds amazing. Let's go. Thou, oh Lord, art Above all the earth, thou art exalted far above, oh God, for thou, oh Lord, art high, proclaim that above all the earth. 
negative self-talk and things that happen on the inside. So would you speak your truth to those things today? In your name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat, church. have a couple of uh, quick announcements I want to give you before uh, we finish the rest of Pastor Diego's teaching. So uh, we should have some stuff out for you this week. September 1st is our Labor Day picnic. Uh, we're going to have a fantastic time out here. Uh, with that, we're also uh, wanting to do some baptisms. Uh, so we have a baptism course that's happening next Sunday afternoon from 2 to 7. Uh, I'd love to see you there and get some time to talk with you and explore that. Uh, it's obviously not a commitment to being baptized, but we'd like to explore that with you. Uh, and then one of the other values that we have in our church is developing leaders. Uh, so there's a movement to empower women called Empower. Uh, so Lindsay Thompson is, is lining some people up. And so uh, if you want to uh, sign up for any of that, that's all on the info page. Uh, so you can check out Empower. If you're a woman, you want to get motivated into ministry and all the things that, that are there, that's for you. Uh, and then uh, Pastor George is leading uh, Taste of Mission meetings. So we want to get ahead of the curve on Taste of Mission. So if you're interested in, in knowing more, maybe leading a project, helping with a project, uh, next Sunday, uh, 1030, he's going to have a meeting for that. Uh, and then we also have a Celebrate Recovery open house uh, that's going to be happening as well. So we're letting you know that. And the other thing I wanted to celebrate with you uh, is we told you back when summer ministry started that with all of the students stepping out of children's ministry to prioritize summer ministry, we had 17 spots to fill. Uh, I wanted to tell you and celebrate with you that you filled all 17. Uh, so that's a beautiful thing. So thank you so much, so much. So um, with talking about children's ministry, we're going to dismiss our kids for now. So for kids on a mission, so it's first through fourth grade today for kids on a mission. Fifth graders, you get to stay here. Uh, so God bless you kids as you go. And uh, Diego's going to come and finish his teaching. So Gideon, there we go. Gideon um, responded to the angel with his self-talks. Where have you been, God? I am the least in my family. My family is the least of my clan. And I am afraid. So what we're going to see is how God reformats Gideon's self-talk. God is going to deal with Gideon in a way that I do believe he comes on the other side with a different conversation in his head. And I'm going to try to plow along. I'm going to have to do it a little bit fast so that we can then celebrate and come together around the Lord's table. So Gideon says, where have you been? And God says, I am present. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you. See, this is the conversation that the angel of the Lord is having. But now we're told that the Lord said to him, not the angel of the Lord. The Lord responded to Gideon, I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Wow. What a promise. And so in order to affirm the presence, the fact that the, the self-talk needs to sound different, God allows the angel of the Lord, the Lord, to, in the, in the picture you see them, uh, Gideon asked the Lord to wait right there 
don't go anywhere. I'm going to go and prepare a sacrifice for you. Do you promise that you will still be here when I come back? And the angel of the Lord says, I'll be here. He comes back with the appropriate sacrifice, and the angel of the Lord says, put it all on top of that rock, and with the tip of his rod, or, or what the stick that he had in his hand, he brings fire into that sacrifice and consumes it. That has a tremendous meaning for the people of Israel. When there's a sacrifice and fire from heaven consumes it, uh, that's like, all right, I get it. God is here. God is present. So that is how God ch begins changing the self-talk of Gideon. Where have you been, God? And God says, I'm present. God keeps coaching Gideon along the way. And furthermore, when they're about to... Um, do the first campaign against the Midianites, it says that the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. I mean, it doesn't get more present than that, right? If you're doubting the presence of God and you are Gideon and you experience the fact that you're being clothed with the presence of the Holy Spirit, you know he's with you. You know you're not alone. You know he has not forsaken you or abandoned you. Second conversation. Gideon says, I am the least. God says, so big deal. I'm powerful. That's what God says. I'm powerful, Gideon. And your personal limitations do not impact my power. So... Kind of Gideon says, God, are you serious? And this is how it happens. God takes an army that Gideon had of 23,000 men and downsizes it to 300. Because God wants to make sure that everybody in the land knows that his victory comes from him. Not from 23,000 able men. And these 300 guys... Go against 120,000 soldiers' army. That's a big size. But God wants to show himself powerful. Now, it gets even better. I'm going to put him right there. God tells them to take torches, empty jars, and trumpets. If your country, if my country was in danger of being overtaken and smashed by another nation... How would you like us to go with jars, torches, and trumpets? <laughs> and if we're 300 going against 120,000, I don't know, I would be skeptical. Were you? Would you? It's not sounding too great, but it gets even better. Gideon sends word to other Israelite fellows, and hey, they may show up or they may not. So this is the time where God is going to shine as the powerful God. Gideon says, I'm the least one. God says, I'm powerful. I'm powerful, Gideon. If you read the rest of the story, that little red line, I don't know if you can see it. Let's see if... Uh, 
and my work. There it is. This is the red line. That red line represents how far the Midianites were chased down. <laughs> I want you to really see that. 300 men are chasing down an army of 120,000 people because the powerful God was with them. Gideon's self-talk was overridden by God's reality. Number three, Gideon says, I'm afraid. And God says, I am patient. I got all the time in the world to do what I want to do. And so you remember I said earlier, God, can you wait here? Gideon is asking the angel of the Lord to be patient, to wait right there, because he needs a confirmation. He needs to know that this is the presence of God he is encountering. And then gets even better. Gideon says, God, can we do the fleece thing? Have you ever heard of the fleece thing? Yeah, right? So Gideon takes the fleece and says, God, uh, I, I hope you bear with me. Can you, can you give me a sign? I'm going to put the fleece right there. And next day, I want to see that the grass around it is dry. And the only thing wet with the dew of the morning is the fleece. God is patient. He does it. And even though when he does the miracle the next day, Gideon kind of goes the extra mile and says, God, uh, one more thing. Can we reverse this? Can we reverse it? Let the fleas be completely dry and the dew of the morning all on the grass. And God does it. I mean, this is wartime. We are on wartime, right? This is not like happy summer, August, blah, blah, blah. This is, this is wartime. And Gideon is asking for signs. Who is this patient God who takes the time to address the inadequacies and the fears and the hang-ups of a man? who is being called to defeat the enemies of Israel. And just in case, just in case there is any doubt, God goes even another step. Let's read this account together. Uh, I'll read it for you. That same night, the Lord said to Gideon, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down... Go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Do you know they did that? And they get to the camp, and they're hearing the Midianites talk about this dream they have, which represented their, represented their destruction and their demise. And that's how Gideon gets encouraged. Goes back, the 300 men take the torches, the empty jars, and the trumpets to follow God in this battle. See, God reformatted Gideon's self-talk. Where have you been, God? 
I'm present. I am the least of all. I'm powerful. I am afraid. I am patient. I'm working on my own time. So new self-talk. Here is what the new self-talk. I'm overwhelmed, God, but my God is present. I'm inadequate, but my God is powerful. I have my hang-ups, but my God is patient. So what would it look like to experience the presence of God today? When your own self-talk is not leading you to life, but is stealing life from you. What does experiencing the presence of God look like? I want to give you a key word today. It's related to the Lord's table. Approach. Pastor Greg introduced the word humility a month ago. The word for us today is approach. Access. And this is how the author of the book of Hebrews puts it. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What is your time of need? What kind of need are you presently facing? God invites you to approach him. See, in the case of Gideon, Gideon approached God with his questions, with his assessments, and with his fears. That's what Gideon did. And you and I can approach the Father through his son Jesus, bring our questions to him. We can bring our assessments to him. We can bring our fears to him. And when we do that, we allow our self-talk to align with who God is. See, I think there is a battle over our hearts. There is a battle over our minds. And that battle is that the self-talk of your flesh, the self-talk that comes from the world, or the self-talk that comes from the enemy of your soul, wants to rule you. It wants to rule me. And so we need to fight. And that fight looks like Who am I going to allow to have authority over my mind? Who, who, which voice am I going to listen to? Because self-talk will either become life-giving or life-stealing. That's the battle of the of the hour, friends. Life-giving or life-stealing. In your marriage, in your family, in your relationships, at the workplace, in your following of God, in the destiny, in the purpose, in the plans that he has for you. Life-giving or life-stealing. And the battle is real. So I love, I love what Paul says in uh, Ephesians chapter 2 because it speaks of the table, the Lord's table. Before I read this, I'm going to ask those who are going to help us serve communion to get ready and start getting prepared now. Um, But let me read this for you. Jesus came 
and preach peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were, who were near. This is what Jesus came to do. He came to preach peace. And for through Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. That's why I like the key, the key word approach, access. Because the table reminds us that we have access to a father through the same spirit. And that father is present, is powerful, and is patient. If you would like to have access to that kind of father and you've never approached him, I hope today you can hear the invitation because the invitation is for you too. Did you see what it says at the beginning of that verse? Those who were far away and those who were near. Are you far away from God? Jesus paid the price to bring you peace. Jesus paid the price to give you access to a father who is present, powerful, and patient. That's the father I want to introduce to you today. That's the father I want to remind you of today so access when we take communion today we can have access to a father who is present powerful patient present to address all your questions powerful to override your limitations patient to deal with your fears. That's the God we're seeking, worshiping, and celebrating today. So here's how we're going to do communion today. I would like you to think of the table as a place where we come together, right? We have dinners around tables. You go to a restaurant with friends. You have people around you at the table. The table is not an object of division. The table is an object of unity. So today, we want to encourage you. As uh, the stations are, are set up here in a moment, I want to ask you, would you consider inviting or welcoming someone with you to come and partake of the elements? Could be a friend, could be your family, could be a stranger. Just take that step to invite them to partake the, the bread and the cup together. If you um, have some health restrictions, we do have a gluten-free um, self-service station. You just go to the table, and you will find what you need at the corner on that table, okay? Uh, the rest of the stations, one in the back and, and this one's in the front, are just the regular bread and cup. After you take the, the, the elements, would you be willing to pray for each other? Take a moment to ask each other, hey, what is your self-talk taking you to today? What are some assessments of God or of yourself or of other people that God wants to reformat, that God wants to change? 
How do you need the Father? Do you need Him to be present, powerful, patient with you? And then uh, just take a moment to, to celebrate communion together. The worship team will be aiding us as they uh, usher us uh, and usher the presence of God. So would you please stand? And um, when you're ready, if you have placed faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, as the one who gives you access to the Father, you are welcome to participate in communion. The kids are not going to be coming back, so we have a little bit of extra space uh, and freedom to, uh, again, partake communion together and pray with other people together. Let's go ahead, and when you're ready, you can come to any of the stations or to the station at the table.
true.